You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. All right, please take your Bible and turn with me to Luke tonight, chapter number five again. Luke chapter 5. It's been good to be in church tonight. Thank you for being faithful and being in your place on Wednesday night. How many of you would agree that God's taken pretty good care of you? He's met every need, hasn't He? Not just every need, but He provides all of our wants. Usually God's just better than good to us, isn't He? And we can't complain at all when it comes to the Lord. It's been good to be in church. I was encouraged when I saw all those Bibles waving, especially watching Brother Robert down here in the front wave his Bible. I like that, brother. You did good on that Bible waving. He went full, I mean, he went 180 degrees or whatever that would be with that Bible. And not just swinging his arm, but I think your hips went back and forth, brother. You were getting into that. I liked it, and uh, I'm for it. Go ahead. Luke chapter number 5. Hope you've had a great week this week, and uh, it's gone by quickly. But looking forward to what God's going to do tonight. We're going to talk about faith again tonight. You remember this. Faith is depending upon God. Faith is trusting God. Faith is taking God at His word. And you and I, if we're going to make it through, we're going to have to make it by faith. I don't spend really zero, I spend zero time, honestly, I can say that, watching any kind of news or anything. I I don't have it uh, at our house. We just have ESPN. But anyway, I don't want you to think I'm spiritual. I just want to, you know, I don't watch the news. But I don't watch the news or anything like that. And um, so I don't get a, a lot of that information. Mostly you don't need to because there's enough people that want to come and tell you the bad news as soon as you talk to them. So I let them tell me anyhow. But if you watch the news and if you just live and you live out in the world during the week more than we have to just with your job and things and you know that these days are dangerous days and they're strange days and that's because these are the last days and the Lord is coming soon and I believe if we're going to live in these days and do it well we're going to have to live by faith we've already talked about the conceding of faith how faith submits faith lays down and understands you know what it doesn't make sense to me and I've not been able to get this thing done but if God says do it I'll just do it and then we talked about what we talk about next. I'm trying to remember. Oh, the confidence of faith. The confidence of faith that believes the Lord can do anything. The leper that was cleansed. Last week we talked about the conquering of faith. Those men didn't let an obstacle get in their way, but faith saw it through until the healing came. And that's what faith does. Faith overcomes. Faith doesn't look for the easy route. Faith goes ahead with God. And God will make the way. Tonight we're going to look at a story in verse 27 down to verse 32 that deals with the counting of faith, the counting of faith. This is the story of the call, the salvation, and the surrender of a man named Levi. Levi is the same man who's named Matthew and wrote the gospel of Matthew. Look at it with me here in verse number 27. And after these things, he went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, follow me. And he left all, rose up, and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with them. But their their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do ye eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. Here's one of the greatest verses in your Bible. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. 
I want you to notice in verse number 27 this call that goes to this man named Levi. In this account, Levi, I believe, is saved and he surrenders simultaneously. Do you know that happens sometimes? There's accounts of that happening throughout history where a young man will get saved and on the same night he's saved, he feels like God has also called him to preach. You ever heard of that happening before? Dr. Tom Malone was that way. Dr. Malone, I think he was 18 years old in a revival meeting in a Methodist church. And uh, the preacher preached that revival meeting and he went down to the altar during the invitation and he got saved. And that same night he got saved, he gave his life to God to be a preacher. He was saved and surrendered simultaneously. I think the same is true about Charles Spurgeon. If I remember right, B.R. Lakin gave the illustration and said that uh, Charles Spurgeon, he went to that meeting house and he got saved on that night, a Baptist meeting house, and went home and told his mother that he'd gotten saved and he was going to become a Baptist preacher. And she said, oh, Charles, I always prayed you become a Christian, but I never wanted to become a Baptist. And uh, he said, well, what would you do if Jesus showed up here and told you he was a Baptist? And she said, well, I, then I'd know it wasn't Jesus. <laughs> uh, but anyway, she uh, was staunch on her denomination, apparently. But it happens. And that's what happened in this man's life. Jesus gives him a call. And here's the call. He said unto him, follow me. Now, the response is a response of faith. And we'll talk about that. He left all, rose up, and he followed him. But I want you to notice the counting of faith, or here's what I mean by that, the way faith places value on things. There are three words in this call, if you look at it, the first word would be the word him, which is just Levi, his name, him, he said unto him. The next word is follow, and the third word is me. Now, the counting of the flesh would place the most value on the name Levi, and then maybe following me. But the counting of faith would place the highest value on the me or the Lord Jesus Christ, follow, and then Levi. You know, the way you look at life, your entire worldview is shaped by what you put value on. You are more faithful to what you put value in. You love what you value. You will be committed to what you value. I believe that the faith and the flesh, faith and flesh, they count different. They value different. And for a little while this evening, think with me on this thought, the counting of faith. Let's pray. God, I pray for your help tonight that you'd help me make this truth plain to our church family. I pray that you'd give us liberty. And I pray that you most of all do a work in our hearts. Help us to live by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Mathematics is an ancient discipline. It's not anything new. There's evidence of math being used 5,000 years ago. It was used in Mesopotamia and it was used in Egypt and other areas. And you know this, there are many different facets of math and I'll go on record and say I hate every single one of them. Um, but there is arithmetic and there is algebra and then there's the one I took twice and never did get past and it's called geometry. Oh my, but math in its most basic form is simply counting. Here's what counting does. To count means to reckon. It means to calculate or it means to compute. Counting considers the totality. It weighs the components and then it declares the collective value. Today I want you to understand that the flesh and faith do not count the same. 
They have sat in two different classrooms. They have been taught out of two totally different textbooks. They do not count the same. Now, counting is simply basic math. That's the first area of math that a child learns. A child learns that one is greater than zero. They can count. Then they advance and learn that two is more than one. Then they get kind of proud of themselves and they understand how to go from one to five and five is of more value than one through four. And then they get advanced and about the time they get to a ninth grade in our school, they can go to 10. And then they understand that 10 has more value from one to nine. And they slowly gain comprehension by learning to count on how to place value on things, not just on numbers, but things in life in general. And you begin to look at life through the spectrum of numbers or counting, and that's how you determine to place your value. The, tonight, the flesh does not reckon like faith does, and faith does not reckon like the flesh does. Faith does not calculate like the flesh. Faith does not compute things like the flesh. They look at the same components. They have the same variables, but they always come out with two different values because they don't put the value on the same place in the equation. Tonight, there are things that the flesh esteems that have absolutely zero eternal value. And there are things that the faith would esteem that the world would look at and say that has absolutely no worth in this world whatsoever. I said a minute ago that counting does this. Counting considers the totality. It weighs the components and declares the value. So much in life is governed by what or where you place value. I said it in the introduction. You commit to what you place value in. You are faithful to what you place value in. You give effort to what you place value in. You'll give attention to what you place value in. You'll be loyal to what you place value in. And you will love what you place value in. And as we consider the concept of faith, tonight I want you to consider that there is a constant struggle and an ongoing conflict in the life of every Christian to count according to faith and not to count or value things in the flesh. All of us have that battle. All of us have that struggle. All of us have that war all the time in our life to look at this world and the things of this life through the eyes of faith and not according to the numbers of the flesh. They value things in totally different fashion. Now, I've said this in a previous message. Faith is not logic. Faith is not reason. Faith is not what makes sense. Faith is not what I want. Faith is surrender to the will of God. Faith is taking God at his word. And we've already seen that faith concedes. We've seen that faith is confident. We see that faith conquers. But tonight I want us to consider that faith counts and it counts differently than the flesh does. And success for the Christian all comes down to whether you and I count according to our flesh or we look at the equations of life by faith. In Luke chapter 5, this is a great faith chapter. And it's also a great chapter of faith. 
I believe this chapter provides us with examples of faith, but if you read it very long, it also motivates you and I to practice and possess a great faith as well. Now, you consider the chapter, and I'll give you this by way of introduction. When you consider the chapter in regards to faith, we find emphasized in the chapter the sole object of faith. If you read the chapter, the star of every story is the Lord Jesus Christ. That is where faith begins. He is the author of faith. But that is also where faith concludes. He's the finisher of our faith. So when we talk about faith tonight, we're not talking about dependence on anything that can rust or decay or dilapidate or fall apart. We're talking about putting total dependence in a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Next, we see several opportunities for faith. If you read the chapter that begins with the storm, then you run into a sickness, then it talks about sin. Now tonight, there's a man wrapped up in his self. All of these stories are difficult situations, but can I say, that's where faith is birthed. Faith is not made in days of ease, but faith is birthed and strengthened in difficult times. The Lord doesn't need everything in this world to be easy, to be perfect, for Christians to be comfortable, to do something great. In fact, he does his great work in dark hours. And you find that throughout the chapter. And then we see the supreme outcome of faith. In every story, Jesus gets the win. And if you and I would simply live by faith, we'd see Jesus do amazing things. Now, when you come to verse 27 through verse 32, we find the call of a very unconventional man into an unparalleled ministry. In this chapter, or in this section of the chapter, Levi meets the Lord. Now, I'm not preaching from verse 32, but I thought about this as I studied. I don't think it would be right to get that close to verse 32 without making a passing comment on verse 32, because I believe that's one of the greatest statements to ever leave the lips of our Lord. Now, every statement was great, but for somebody who needed to be saved, there's very few statements that can rival that statement in your life. You see what he said? I've heard a lot of testimonies. I've been in these country churches where they give testimonies, and they don't just give one or two, but they'll give them in until you don't want to hear another one. And they'll go on and on and on. But I've never heard a testimony that thrilled my heart as much as the Lord's testimony in verse 32. Because you see what he says? I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Right there's a good place for you. And I had to call time out and shout because you were one of those and I was one of those. And I'm glad that's why he came. I'm glad he came to save sinners. Don't get it wrong. Don't get it twisted. You weren't born perfect and you're not perfect now. But aren't you glad that Jesus left heaven to come here to earth to die for an old wretched sinner like you and I? If you wanted to take away all the rest of the Bible and all you had was verse 32, you'd have enough to get you to heaven. You'd have enough to shout over for eternity that Jesus left glory to come down and walk among men, die for us on an old rugged cross. He did not demand perfection. He provided perfection and paid our sin debt on the cross of Calvary. Now, I'm not preaching on that, but I almost did. Now, allow me to introduce you to this man named Levi. Consider his name. This man, Levi. You think about his name. He's the same as the man named Matthew. But the name Levi is very significant. It's a Jewish name, a Hebrew name. It's a name that is tied to the priesthood. It's a name of history. He's named after that tribe of Israel that was given to the service of the Lord. Not only does it tell me about the priesthood, it 
It tells me about his parents. He must have had some devout parents if they would choose a name like that for his son. I believe he probably was raised in a good home, probably a home where they observed the law as much as they could and made the sacrifices. But it also tells me a little bit about his personality. Levi is the offspring, if you study the Old Testament, of Jacob and Leah. Jacob and Leah, he didn't work seven years for Leah. He worked seven years for Rachel, but he got Leah. Levi was born. That name Levi means united. Levi's the fruit of a union that wasn't really wanted. And that's exactly where this man is in our text. He is hitched up to something that's not benefiting him very much. He's hooked up to the world, if you will. He's married to the Roman government. His occupation is that of a publican. Now we can go ahead and just take a vote. How many of you like the IRS? Anybody like the IRS? Any of you work for the IRS? Not a one of them. I guess there isn't a saved hour. I thought maybe there'd be one. Uh, but nobody likes it. It's tax season now. And Brother Angel, I saw you. He texted me this morning and asked me for a good CPA. And I said, what is a CPA? But anyway, it's tax season now. Uh, Levi is a tax collector. He's a publican. He's wrapped up in money. He's got a position of power. He's got a position of finance. He's got a position that tied him to the Roman government. Now, normally, a publican would have been a, a, a Roman individual. But Levi's a Jew who sold out his own countrymen to take taxes from them. Publicans had a horrible reputation. They didn't just collect the tax that was expected. They even skimmed off the top and charged more. They would have fit in well in California. I mean, they gouged the people. And so I can see it. Maybe Levi did it. Maybe he didn't. But he's in that crowd where folks would come to pay their taxes and they just go ahead and pad the books a little bit and get more money out of him. Can you see him? He's sitting at the receipt of customs. That's that place of power. There's lines of people there and there's chains uh, jingling and coins clanking around him. He's got stacks of money there. He's got houses. He's got land. He's got prestige. He's got power. He's got money. That's where Levi's living. He's got stature and self-sufficiency sitting at the receipt of custom and all of a sudden Jesus passes by. In verse 27, the Bible said, Jesus, after these other things, came by Levi's way. Now, Jesus could not be any more different than Levi. Jesus has no money. He has no house. He's hated probably even more than Levi was. And Jesus passes by. He doesn't have any wealth. He doesn't have any property. He doesn't have a good reputation. And as we see this story unfold, it becomes a story of faith that's revealed as Levi leaves that receipt of customs to follow the Lord. Picture it in your mind. To see this call to enlist as Jesus passes by. He sees Levi sitting there. You say, where are they? They're in the city of Capernaum. All of these miracles that we've preached on have have taken place around this city. That means Levi had seen Jesus do great things. He'd heard about Jesus doing great things. Jesus had passed by his way before, but isn't it just like God to give Levi another chance? He could have said, he's heard me preach. He's seen me work. He's had every opportunity, but I'm glad that's not the way God works. I don't know about you, but I did not get saved the first time I heard the gospel. I didn't get saved the second time I heard the gospel. I didn't 
get saved the third time I heard the gospel. I went to church from the womb to 21 years old and was lost as the devil for 21 years. Could sing Amazing Grace, could quote John 3, 16, and would have busted hell wide open. Jesus passed by time and time again, but I'm glad he didn't give up on me. I'm glad he came back. I'd seen him work. I'd heard his word, but thank God in grace and mercy, he didn't throw the clay. I'm glad he came to where I was. Levi's sitting there. Oh, happy day when Jesus passed by. I can see as Jesus walks by that table, he sees that long line of people. He sees Levi there counting money, maybe drop a little extra in his own purse. There's a sea of soldiers to protect Levi, and Jesus passes by and says, hey, Levi, follow me. Here's what he's saying. I want you to give up everything that this world has given you. I want you to give up your job. I want you to give up your possessions. I want you to give up your power. I want you to give up uh, your prestige. I want you to give up what you're comfortable with and come after me. I think about that from Levi's perspective. If he'd have seen that and answered in flesh, man, that'd made no sense at all. You know that old song, a call to loyal soldiers comes to one and all, soldiers for the conflict who will heed the call. And can you imagine that call? Jesus says, follow me. Isn't that amazing that Jesus would call a man like that? You know, he still does that today. I'm glad tonight. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you're from or what you've done. The Lord could use you if you'd let him. Man, I see Matthew sitting, Levi sitting there. He's tied up to the wrong thing. He's wrapped up in the world, if you will. And the Lord passes by and says, hey, leave it all for me. Now, here's where the counting of faith comes in. Levi has to make a decision. He has to make a decision whether or not he's going to say, you know what? You can have the riches of this world. Keep it. I want Jesus. Or I want the riches of this world. You can keep Jesus. So he has to answer this one of two ways. Here's the equation. There's three words. Levi's name, follow me, Jesus. Levi, follow Jesus. Now, counting is placing value on things. How you and I look at life is determined by where we place the most value, isn't it? Levi could have looked at that in the flesh and put the most value on himself. If he'd have done that, he would not have left on and followed the Lord. So Levi looks at this equation by faith. And faith shows him that the equation does not go Levi follow Jesus, but really it is Jesus follow Levi. He understands that the most value in this equation of life is not on himself, but it is on the Lord. He begins to conjure this thing in his mind, and he looks at this equation by faith, and he places value in the right place. Right here is where we stop and consider our own life. And let me ask you, where do you place value tonight? And you you don't have to answer it. We can observe your life and tell where you place the most value. I wonder tonight what you esteem as precious, what you esteem as costly. How are you counting this evening? Are you counting in the flesh or are you counting by faith? The flesh puts the greatest value, not where faith would put it. Faith puts the greatest value, not where the flesh would put it. Flesh would put the value on self. Flesh would put the value on what I want. Flesh would put the value on what I think I need. 
But faith says, I want the will of God, what Jesus would have for my life. If I have to leave all, I'll leave all and follow him. That's what Paul said when he said, I count not my life dear unto myself. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's what Moses determined when he said, you know what, Pharaoh, you can have the palace. You can have your precious treasure. I think I'll just go with God in the wilderness. He counted by faith. That's exactly what Joseph did when Potiphar's wife, I mean, that strange woman tried to tempt him every day. And he said, you know what? I could have her and then his house as well, but I think I'd rather have God. And he made the decision to count by faith. I think about David who counted by faith. He could have killed Saul. He was on the run, but he had opportunity to take Saul out of the way, but he waited on God. And here's what he did. He did not count by the flesh, but he counted by faith. I think about Daniel. He didn't drink the king's wine. He didn't eat the king's meat. He could have had it made in the shade, living in the palace. He could have been a boy. I mean, there with the king on the string of the king, sitting at his side. But he said, you know what? I don't think I care for that at all. I wasn't birthed in Babylon and I'm not going to let Babylon be birthed in me. I think I'll just stand for God. And he counted by faith, no matter what it might cost him. Now tonight, God only knows and eternity will only tell what you and I have missed out on, are missing out on, or might miss out on if we don't learn to place value in this world or by faith and not by the flesh. I wonder how many men have not filled pulpits that were called to preach because they valued life by the flesh and not by faith. They thought, what will I give up if I go with God? I think you're looking at that twisted. It's think about what you get when you give it up and you go with God. I wonder how many mission fields don't have a voice crying the gospel forth tonight because some young couple was more worried about a picket fence and a house and a nice job than the will of God. And they valued things that dilapidate and fall and rust. Can I say you had to count by faith and not in the flesh? I wonder how many people tonight have given up on their church or quit a ministry or laid down in the battle because they began to look at life, their worldview through the eye of flesh and not counting by faith. Faith does not place value where the flesh does. Flesh does not place value where faith does. Listen, don't you cry for me tonight and don't you feel sorry for me tonight. I might not have what some of you have. I don't have a lot. I, we really don't. But I tell you this much, I don't regret a thing. I'm not sorry for a day I've lived for the Lord. I wouldn't change it if I could. I don't own a house. I don't have much fancy car payment. That's all right. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. I want to hear well done someday. I want to see him say, hey, I'm thankful and be able to throw a crown at his feet. I want to serve the Lord with my life. Can I tell you at church tonight, what could God do if we would count by faith and not according to the flesh? Some of you could give money tonight. You could give enough money tonight to pay the debt off of this church. I could never do that. And I don't mean to, I'm not trying to ask you to do that. I'm just saying you could do that. And I am trying to ask you to do that. Do that, please. I can't do that. It, it, honestly, I can't do that. If I gave, if I gave ten thousand dollars, I mean, that'd be like fifty percent. I mean, I got nothing. I mean, it's, it doesn't matter. But you can do that. And there's things I can do that you can't do. But I tell you why we sit on opportunity because we're counting by the flesh and not by faith. One of these days, this world is gone. It'll wax old as doth a garment. It'll melt like a hot Hershey kiss on a car hood. It's gone, burned with fire. But I tell you, we'll lay up silver 
gold and precious stone. If you'll just count by faith tonight, that's why it's worth it. I think I see you, brother. You you had it made. I mean, most guys want that. A pastor there, a place to live. I mean, you know, just had it. And you gave it up. Now you're you're living in this house. I understand that. Trust me. But it's worth it. It's, It's where God has it. We're living by faith. There's some of you here. You don't own a house. You rent. You can move somewhere else. You can work from home. You can go to Texas or Florida, but you stayed. Why? You're counting by faith. And that's exactly what it takes to see God do great things. We're so wrapped up in getting things that don't even last. You buy a new iPhone, next year they come out with another one. And then you're ashamed to show us your iPhone 13 because I got a 13 plus or whatever it's called. I think that's one of them. All I know is I got a new phone that only has the two cameras on it instead of the five or whatever you all have. So then I came home, my wife said, you didn't get the newest one. So then I felt inferior, you know. Allow your flesh to put value on things, and I tell you, you'll miss out on a lot from God. But if you'll number and count by faith, man, you'll see God do great things. Set your affections on things above, not on things of this earth. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Tonight Jesus says this, follow me. He's saying, would you trust me? Would you depend upon me? Would you count on me? Would you not get so temporal minded that you miss out on eternal blessings? Would you number by faith and not by the flesh? So I said the call for enlistment, the counting of the equation. Then let me give you this point and I'll be through. The consequences of his evaluation. So he counts correctly, Levi does. And because of that, he gets some big blessings in his life. I think the reason, I mentioned that a minute ago, probably the reason I don't have enough money to pay off the debt is God knows I wouldn't pay it off if I had it. You ever think about that? Pastor and I were talking the other day, I said, I don't know why God has me preaching on faith. I said, I'm kind of scared about that. probably means I'm going to go through something in a minute that need faith. God knows what we need. The consequences of his evaluation. Let me say this. You heard that word, that term world of view. You know your world view is shaped by your value system. So the way that you look at life, you look at marriage, you look at finances, you look at church, it's based on what you value. Levi valued correctly, and here's what he got. Number one, he got intimacy. You see what it says? Verse 29, he left on followed him, that word him, but look at verse 29. And Levi made him a great feast. Following led to fellowship and feasting, all because he lived by faith. You know, Matthew's gospel shows us Jesus as king. He got to see the Lord, unlike very few had gotten to see the Lord. You want to get close to God, you start counting by faith. Number two, it didn't just lead to intimacy, it gave him influence. Look at verse 29 again. Levi made him a great feast in his own house. Now watch this, and there was a great company of publicans. I like that. Levi became a magnet to reach those that he used to run with. That crowd, man, he had that whole... You say, you know what? If I I gave this up or if I didn't take that opportunity, I'm going to miss out on a lot of influence. No, I tell you where the open doors and influence come in the will of God. The reason most folks get in the mess is they kick doors down God didn't open. But you just follow the Lord. It'll give you intimacy. It'll give you influence. Number three, it gives you this. It'll give you the inconceivable. See what it says in verse number 29, the end of the verse? Look what it says. It said, there's a great company of publicans, now watch this, and of others. 
Now listen, it is expected that publicans would have fellowship with publicans. But rarely would you find others wanting to fellowship with publicans. Usually it was just that crowd that wanted to be around Levi. But after he got saved and he surrendered, God let him reach folks he never would have reached otherwise. You know what? There's no telling what God will do or could do through you and I if we would just value everything by faith and not in the flesh. What God could use you for to reach people and spread the gospel and increase the work of Christ. Lastly, it gave him immovability. And I want to just park it here and close it. Look at what it says in verse 30. Look what happens. By the way, this happens often to somebody who's saved out of a group of outright sinners. Usually their crowd turns on them. Look what happens right here. But their scribes and Pharisees murmured against, it doesn't say against the Lord, but against his disciples. They're being critical of his crowd, saying, why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? Now, I don't know, that probably would have shaken my faith. He just got saved a verse ago. I don't know if he got saved at lunch and then this was dinner. I don't know, but not very long. And no sooner had he been saved, he began to influence people that a crowd came out and began to slander him and said, hey, you know what he is? He's a sinner. You know what he is? He, he's, he's a reprobate, and the Lord's eating with him. But you know what faith did in his life? Faith didn't let him get shaken by slander. Kept him steady. Kept him steadfast. Now, just to make an application, we've been talking about this. Just There's so little stability in people nowadays. And you know what that is? It's an indictment on our lack of faith in God. We're so easily moved. Paul said, none of these things move me. And things that were attempting to move Paul are far more severe than anything probably that's crept in my life or yours. But today we have to, every, every day you get up, you look to see who's, who's left or who's changed or who's quit. Every single day, and not just every day, but throughout the day. Pastor mentioned, we get those phone calls. I was walking down the hallway today, and I heard Mr. Trooper laugh at me because I answered my phone. Went, Hello, you know, because there's somebody else calling me. I don't want to talk to, every time I think it's negative, I don't know if this is my fault, but I always think somebody's calling me for something negative. But usually it is. That's why, right? So-and-so's quitting. So-and-so did this. Or, you know, so-and-so's moving here because it's cheaper. There's no church within 100 miles, but they think it'll be a good move for their family. And there's no stability. What happened? They started to number things in the flesh. And they looked at the difficulty. They, they, they looked at whatever it is. They just looked online and scrolled and thought, boy, it looks a lot better over there. And so they weren't stable. And then they get shipwrecked. I want to challenge you tonight, and I'll close. But listen, we've got to count according to faith. By that I mean your worldview has to be shaped by faith. Because your worldview is based on your value system. And whenever your life is not stable, and whenever it seems like you're easily shaken, I'll promise you this, it's my life and your life. We are living in the flesh and not living by faith. Faith cannot be shaken. Think about that. How are you counting tonight? Fanny Crosby wrote the hymn that says, Take the whole world, but give me Jesus. We sing that song, I have decided to the world behind me, the cross before me. Nobody's more of a hero than anybody else for what you gave up to serve the Lord. You didn't give up anything. You got it all when you, gave, when you got in this thing for God. But can I say those things that you think you'll lose to gain God might hold you back from seeing God do great things. Where are you placing value? 
Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.